uh, Lori Den Engelson sent me a lovely uh, land acknowledgement that she heard the other day. And so I'm going to read that this week. Um, I've just tweaked it a little bit for us. Um, but thanks for sharing that, Lori. Uh, so let's gather together by acknowledging that we are so fortunate to be able to gather on the traditional, ancestral, and unceded lands of the Kwatlin, Stolo, and Semiamu First Nations. This is and has always been called Turtle Island, inhabited for over 15,000 years by thriving traditional territories, bands, and confederacies of Indigenous peoples. The purpose of land acknowledgement is to recognize that we as settlers and as people who are not part of the original story of this land, honor the original occupants. A land acknowledgement helps Canadians recognize and respect Indigenous peoples' inherent kinship beliefs. And when it comes to this land, especially since those beliefs were restricted, were restricted for so, so long to this land, and the original and rightful keepers of it, we are deeply grateful. So it's been a big week for news, right? Um, really quite challenging in many ways. And so um, I just want to um, read a couple of things. And I know that this is gonna take a little longer uh, than usual for the opening, um, but we've we've also axed all the announcements for this morning, which claws back, what, 30 seconds. So, um, you know, it's, it's all even now. Um, but a couple of things came to me this week that um, I really wanted to share with you. So the first one, and I'll put, um, I'll put the credits and stuff into the chat after I've used these, but uh, it's, a, it's the lyrics from a song by the group Gunger, who we, um, if, if you've heard Kevin Bowes lead, it will usually have a Gunger song in the mix. And the song is called Us For Them. And so I'll, read, I'll just read the lines for you. When the lines are drawn, when you're in or out, when it's us or them, and we shame and doubt. It's all a lie. All we ever really need is love. There's no need to shed more blood. Look upon the cross. Look upon the cross. See the face of Christ. See the mercy in his eyes. Every valley shall be lifted high. Now our enemies are blessed, the heavy laden rest, for his judgment is love. His judgment is love. There is no more guilt. There is no more shame. All our darkest sin, all our deepest pain. Blessed are the poor. All the lonely, broken, lost, and torn. See, a kingdom comes to us. A war that's fought with love. 
Our only war is love. Prepare the way of the Lord, wielding mercy like a sword. Every mountaintop will be made low. And no, he holds the earth like dust. Noah's judgment comes to us, and his judgment is love. His judgment is love. We will not fight their wars. We will not fall in line. Because it's, if it's us or them, it's us for them. It's us for them. Because if it's us or them, it's us for them. It's us for them. Prepare the way of the Lord, wielding mercy like a sword. Every mountaintop will be made low. Know he holds the earth like dust, and his judgment comes to us, and his judgment is love. May our judgment be love. So along that same vein, I'm going to also read um, part of an address that a woman by the name of Valerie Carr, K-A-U-R, who is a, a Sikh believer, uh, gave to a group of U.S. educators just this week. And it's re in response to the war in Israel and Palestine. If you have not read her book, See No Stranger, uh, I would highly recommend it. It is just a fantastic book. This is what she said. Our most powerful response to the horror in Israel and Palestine is to refuse to surrender our humanity. You will be told by some, the deaths of Israeli children are unfortunate but inevitable because Israel's occupation of Palestine is brutal and wrong. You will be told by others that the deaths of Palestinian children are unfortunate but inevitable because it is the only way to keep Israel safe from terror and Hamas, and Hamas brought this on its own people. You will hear. Our aggression is the only response to their aggression. Our fear more justified than their fear. Our grief more devastating than theirs will ever be. But oh, my love, the hierarchy of pain is the old way. The moment we allow our hearts to go numb to the deaths of any children, is the moment we shut down our humanity. I don't know the solution to the conflict in Israel and Palestine, but I do know the starting point for any solution is to grieve their children as our children. It is the only way to break the cycle, to ask, what does love want you to do? I feel like this week, um, 
there's been a lot of voices, a lot of really loud voices, a lot of voices propagating fear and trying to make people react or choose sides. And I just, I felt like both this song and Valerie's words uh, kind of cut through both fear and the, the need to choose a side. Um, I, I hope that's helpful. I'm going to put that in the chat for you. Um, not all the lyrics, because obviously they're very long, but uh, where you can find it. Um, and now I want to lead us into uh, our Lectio Divina. So the passage is going to come up on the screen for all of us. And I'm just going to lead you through... Um, I'm going to read it several times and I'm going to have a question for you as, um, as you ponder what I'm reading. So this passage is slightly edited by me. Um, and I know there's a verse about that. So please uh, just have mercy on me for changing the Bible. Um, <clears throat> so this is 1 John 3, 1. Um, mostly from the message, and it says, what marvelous, <clears throat> what marvelous love our Abba has extended to us. Just look at it. We're called children of God. That's who we really are. But that's also why the world doesn't recognize us or take us seriously, because it has no idea who God is or what they're up to. So was there a word or a phrase that caught your attention? And if you need to read again, that's fine. We'll give you a minute here. For me, it was what they're up to. I love Okay, I'm going to read it again. And this time, um, sorry, I'm, I'm getting chats up over the thing here. Um, we'll just read it again, and then I'll have a question for you. What marvelous love our Abba has extended to us. Just look at it. We're called children of God. That's who we really are. But that's also why the world doesn't recognize us or take us seriously, because it has no idea who God is or what they're up to. So reflect now on what's been highlighted before we read it again and consider like what kind of feelings or memories might be brought up by what's highlighted to you.
Okay, I'm going to read again. What marvelous love our Abba has extended to us. Just look at it. We're called children of God. That's who we really are. But that's also why the world doesn't recognize us or take us seriously. Because it has no idea who God is or what they're up to. Does this passage reveal a need in you or a struggle that you might have? Let grace meet you there. I'm just going to read it one more time. What marvelous love our Abba has extended to us. Just look at it. We're called children of God. That's who we really are. But that's also why the world doesn't recognize us or take us seriously, because it has no idea who God is or what they're up to. I think, uh, and, and I think Helen said something in the chat about this. We're all the children of God. Mm-hmm. And if we, if we grasp that ourselves, then how could we know or recognize who God truly is? And so, um, whether this this has brought up something challenging or comforting for you, I encourage you to be at rest with what you have learned. God is not bothered by our limitations about who he is or who we are, nor is God unwilling to bring comfort to us in our need to know things or believe things. So let's just pray. May we all understand and sense and move in the marvelous love of God that surrounds us. Amen. I think that's it for me. So we're going to move over to the St. Clairs who are going to lead us in uh, communion this morning. Dave and Sherry. Leon, can you hear us? Okay. Uh, yeah, actually, you know, uh, I think uh, the more we embrace God's love for us unconditionally, uh, the more the world does recognize uh, who we are uh, and uh, what God's all about. So uh, so we're Dave and Sherry. Uh, we live in uh, South Surrey area, if you don't know us, attend uh, the bridge. So um, I'm going to give you a little uh, few things to, to think about, and then Sherry's going to lead us in a, 
a couple of prayers before we take communion. It should take four or five minutes. So, uh, so as far as community goes this morning, I, I want to share with you uh, my experience as a child uh, growing up in the Anglican Church, Anglican Communion, or Holy Eucharist, uh, as it's referred to uh, in the Anglican uh, tradition. So, uh, as a child, when I would attend church, and we would go, and it, it was Eucharist Day, which meant we're going to take communion. Uh, as a child, um, I didn't actually, you didn't take actual elements. You um, you didn't uh, actually receive the bread and the wine until you were confirmed uh, into this particular Anglican church. I don't know if there was others at the time that did it different. And uh, I'm not I'm not here to say, to talk about the merits of that one way or the other. Uh, that's, you know, is what it is, theological debate. Um but uh, what I do want to tell you about is what a beautiful experience it was for me as a child. Um, we had our uh, our reverend uh, at St. Luke's Anglican Church, Cedar Hill Crossroads, Victoria, where I grew up. Uh, his name was Archdeacon Wolf, and uh, he he was a very big man, very big man. He was actually as a child. I remember he was actually so big. And I can remember as a child looking down at his shoes and they were curled up at the end. <laughs> That's how big of a guy he was. And it, just a beautiful, beautiful spirit. Uh, very, uh, he was always very gentle and humble, uh, loving and safe, you know. And uh, I always remember he had very deep voice for the dude, you know, but better than the ideas. Uh, but so what we would do. Uh, so we would go up for communion. We would actually um, go up to it, up to the altar. We would kneel. Uh, my uh, mom and dad, my brothers, they would hold out, hold out their hands, and they'd get the little wafer, and then they'd come around with the cup. Uh, they'd drink, take their drink of the wine, and then uh, what I would do is I would actually just have my head bowed, leaning on the uh, on the uh, uh, rail. Uh, and what he would do is he would come along and just gently put his hand on top of my head and speak a blessing. And I almost bring to tears when I was thinking about it. It was such a beautiful thing, you know. Um, so, yeah. So with that, I have a picture that I was uh, painting that I was actually able to uh, find. Yeah. Um, that I want to share with you. See it this is this is a painting. Uh, sorry, the plastic on it. The lights reflecting a bit. This is a painting. Uh, it's a depiction of the uh, prodigal son uh, by an artist by the name of Cody Miller. Uh, Sylvia has uh, is going to uh, put the link in there for this. If you're interested in this or any of his other uh, paintings, you can uh, get that from there. And you know, I mean, that just to me, I, I'm a I'm a condemnation magnet. You know, I'm a guilt magnet. I have been for years. Uh, I'm better. I'm getting better at it. But in my, you know, I mean, it with my relationship with uh, uh, God, but I'm getting better. And I take that. I'm, I'm going to be putting this up, get it framed, put it up in our den. Uh, it's just such a beautiful, beautiful thing to remember. You know. 
this is all of us. This is everybody all the time, daily, minute, minute by minute sometimes for me, you know. So that's that. And I'll tell you what, the, the where I got this, uh, where I first, first saw this uh, painting, it's off of this book, uh, which uh, also included um, in, uh, Sylvia's also going to include the link for it. Uh, it's called Sinners in the Hands of a Loving God by whoops, by Pastor Brian Zahn. Um, he, uh, it's basically a rebuttal uh, to uh, uh, was it Jonathan Edwards' um, famous sermon back in the, well, whatever it was, 1800s, I think, um, called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. And it's just, you know, anyway, I would highly recommend you, you read this book. Um, but, you know, it's up to you, of course. But that's where I got it from. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so now we're going to, and that's another thing we watch. Uh, if you ever want to, uh, Word of Life Church, Brian Zahn starts at 8.30 our time. So, you, or no, sorry, 8 o'clock our time um, online. Uh, so you can actually watch that and then still get to the bridge. <laughs> <laughs> that was our COVID schedule. Yeah, that was our COVID schedule. <laughs> so now, uh, okay, so sorry. So Sherry's going to lead us now in um, in a couple of prayers we do, uh, which he does actually, and which I That's again we learn. Yeah, yeah, and and we hi, and we also learned this. Um, um, we learned this through Brad Bradley, yep. um, and also at the prayer school that comes from Word of Life, right. and uh, you <laughs> right. Uh, okay, uh, so if you get a chance, you can put up that uh, that prayer. I'm just going to read this out. So what this is, is right. um, a statement of faith and then a confession of sin. Um, so this is uh, the um, Apostles' Creed. Uh, I believe in God, the Father, Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate. He was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven, and he is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen. And so after there's been the statement of what we believe in is the confession of sin um, against God and uh, each other. Um, that's just down a little bit, I think. There we are. Um, most merciful, merciful God, God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. By, by what we have done, and by what we've left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry, and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. And. Uh, yeah, so just, um, yeah, just one quick uh, 
caveat, I guess you call it with that, if you haven't said those prayers before, when we say, when we refer to, I believe, in the Holy Catholic Church, that just means the whole encompassing church in the world uh, doesn't mean any particular denomination. So, all right. So now we'd like to, um, oh, we have, yeah, of course, that's what we're doing. Um, okay. Uh, so if you have uh, bread and wine, we have a piece of uh, Triscuit and a cup of coffee. But uh, just the elements that we recognize uh, uh, our Lord with. So uh, the body of Christ broken for, for us and the blood of Christ shed for us. Thank you, Lord. So now we'd like to pray for uh, Greg as he comes to speak to us today. Father, thank you for our brother and our friend. I pray for your joy and your light to be within Greg and on Greg and a lot around Greg. And I pray for this time, the words that you um, are speaking with Greg, Lord, we co-create with you. Um, I just ask that as much of a blessing Greg's words will be to us, I pray as well, they'll be a blessing to mm -hmm. Greg. Mm -hmm. And Lord, we just thank you for this for this uh, privilege of gathering together as a group. We have freedom for that. And uh, thank you for everyone who is listening right now and watching right now, but also for those who will listen in future. And we ask for your blessing and understanding of what um, you want to share right now. Mm -hmm. Jesus, amen. Amen. <clears throat> okay, thank you very much. It's good to be with you today. And uh, yeah, as we reflect a little bit on that, uh, those readings that uh, Eden had for us in our, our news reports, as we hear them, I'm uh, reminded of what Catherine shared with us a couple of weeks ago about how the Sermon on the Mount spoke simply to um, a total change of the way we think and feel toward one another. So let's just pause for a moment and uh, remember those who are in great need today for his mercy and for his grace.
So may we declare, Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Well, an interesting, um, <clears throat> an interesting uh, passage we want to look at this morning. There's many, many passages to choose from that uh, that we were given. And it's interesting how <clears throat> many of them spoke of the, well, I guess when we're thinking of the upside down kingdom this, this, uh, this season, what is it that, um, what have what what have we experienced ourselves that have uh, has not been the way it has been, but it's become our norm that we don't even see how life changing it was for those who uh, experienced it. <clears throat> um, just just reflecting on a few of the passages that uh, were a part of our. Um, kind of a season one of the passages was second samuel 21 and it was to do with a kind of a, a rebel that was raised up around david's time that uh in, in a sense was trying to uh take people away from who god was and uh it was a woman that called uh it was kind of a it, they they named her a wise woman. They didn't even use her name, but they said a wise woman was used to uh, stop uh, the enemy from destroying their city. <clears throat> and this wise woman chose to put her neck out, as it were, and say, "Really, this is a this is a place of refuge. And what is it that you need?" to settle this conflict and the fellow came back and said, we just want this one guy. And uh, so she went before the people and said, you'll have your, you'll have his head before the end of the day. And uh, how one life was, uh, was, was taken to save a, save a whole city. And you kind of go, it seems brutal. But at the time, it was a, a saving grace. Um, don't know how to reconcile those things in my mind today, but the idea that uh, they listened to a woman was a, a big deal back then. Then another passage we were given was uh, Proverbs uh, chapter 8. And in that uh, proverb um, was a whole list of uh, attributes of uh, what they called wisdom. And um, it all has feminine qualities. And uh, interesting enough that there was um, this, this um, usage of uh, the word wisdom uh, the personification of being a woman 
and that uh, wise counsel, sound wisdom was coming from uh, this, in those days, a lesser, uh, not as valued um, person. So again, when we're talking about the upside down kingdom, we sometimes are so far removed from where things used to be, and yet sometimes uh, not that far. And then another passage we were given was 1 Corinthians 12. And it talked about uh, the diversity of gifts and the callings and the uh, uh, disbursements of ministry by the Holy Spirit. And depending on your um, upbringing, you would read into this that um, every person is male. And yet we've come to believe that um, and receive that it's not to every man, it's to every person, every part of mankind. And so each one, it says here, um, now there are diversity of gifts by the same spirit, and there are diversities of ministries, but the same sovereign. And there are diversities of works, but it is the same God who works all of them in everyone. To each person is given the manifestation of the spirit for mutual good. To one woman or man, through the spirit is given a word of wisdom. And to another, a word of knowledge according to that spirit. To another, uh, one person, no, lost my page here. But the idea is that each one has a significant value. And then we come to a, an interesting um, scripture. This is what I want to focus on this morning. And it's about Matthew, um, Matthew 13. So in the middle of Matthew, Jesus, it says, um, he'd been giving a, a number of, um, sharing a number of parables with the, uh, the community. And it says, when Jesus had finished these parables, he moved on from that region and he came to his hometown. And in his hometown, he began to um, preach and teach to the people in the synagogue, both men and women. And they were amazed. And they asked, where did this man get this wisdom and all these miraculous powers, they asked. Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary? And aren't these brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, Judas? And aren't all of, his, all of his sisters with us? Where did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, Only in his hometown and in his own house is a prophet without honor. And did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. And so I'd like us to consider this morning how we see how we see Jesus 
and how we see Jesus in each other. And I'm not sure about you, but uh, I, I really enjoyed uh, learning some fun facts um, about Jesus this week. And uh, so I'm going to share some fun facts with you. And I've never been to uh, Israel. I've never walked the walked the streets of of any of those uh, European cities. And so, in my limited understanding, um, to go for a walk in those days was just like walking down the street. But that wasn't the way it was. It's very hilly, very mountainous. And even as I was uh, learning about some of these things, I never realized that it was about 90 miles for Mary and Joseph and their donkey to leave Nazareth and um, for that uh, census that was taken where Jesus was born. 90 miles. Ladies, being pregnant in your last few weeks, horseback or donkey riding, walking, they figure it's about a four-day journey, close to eight hours a day in order to accomplish this task. Unbelievable. Other things we began to uh, learn about uh, Jesus was, uh, of course, uh, the wise men that came to visit him and the angels that uh, came alongside and announced his birth. And then the, the destiny of this uh, family was uh, changed from now uh, in a safe region, they thought. It was time to head to Egypt. And for a number of years, this family spent in Egypt. And again, it was all walking. It was all a journey. And then a few years later, they walked back to Nazareth. And he must have been in his earlier uh youthful years at this point because he worked alongside his uh, father Joseph. This is Jesus now becoming a carpenter. And all, all this while uh, life was being formed of him becoming who he was uh, destined to be. Along this journey Jesus is beginning to grow and learn and um, in his uh, kind of late teens, as it were, begins uh, experiencing what uh, you might call the call of God on his life. And then in his early 30s, we now see him, him being baptized by John the Baptist. And in John the Baptist, we hear or after this baptism, we hear that uh, a voice from heaven speaks over his son. <clears throat> this is my son whom I love. 
and in whom I am well pleased. So each one of these uh, stories you might say or revelations are him becoming um, who God was in, <clears throat> God was leading him to be. From the baptism, he's led into the desert for 40 days and 40 nights, experiencing um, what we would call the, if, if for some called the, the dark night of the soul, where it was hunger and it was thirst and it was uh, loneliness. And as he returns from this desert experience, it seems like he leaves Nazareth and now heads down to Capernaum. Long way down, 30 kilometers away from his home there. And uh, down begins down to live by the sea, the Sea of Galilee. And here we see Jesus beginning to preach. And it talks about... Uh, him saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. And I found that very interesting about uh, him Him being the king is near. And how so true that was, and yet most couldn't see it. So then we begin seeing Jesus as the rabbi. And he's calling people away from their... Um, their careers, you might say. Follow me, and I'm going to make you fishers of men. So here Jesus is beginning to uh, secure people around himself and to teach them. And in the process, we read lots in the first part of Matthew about uh, the miracles that are all taking place. Jesus is uh, healing the sick. He's teaching in the synagogues, preaching good news of the kingdom, healing every disease and every sickness. And it says that this news is uh, spreading all around Syria. So this whole area of uh, these uh, these cities are being impacted by this uh, one man called Jesus. All by traveling around. And here's an interesting uh, consideration that some have figured. That Jesus walked about 15,000 miles in his lifetime. Um, an unbelievable trek covering many, 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 many miles. Reaching out to people, seeing miracles happen, and experiencing all kinds of, uh, you might say, feedback. And part of this, uh, as I referred to earlier, the Sermon on the Mount that we heard a couple of weeks ago, is the very, uh, I guess it's at the very heart of what we're seeing in our world today. 
where Jesus finish, finishes off the Sermon on the Mount by saying, blessed are the persecuted, blessed are the insulted, blessed are you when uh, lies are spread you. Um, but know this, you are the light, and you are the one who carries the light. And Jesus always seemed to be doing what uh, was the opposite of what others have done. He seemed to bring a message that was about uh, no judgment. He brought the message about uh, the, the damage of adultery and divorce, making vows. He brought a message about loving enemies, not laying up treasures on earth. He gave talks about not worrying, healing the outcast, touching the leper, healing the paralytic, healing the woman that was uh, had been bleeding for so long, caring for the blind. Then even sends out 12 of his followers to do the same. So this is the person who returns to his hometown. And what do they say about him? Where did he get all this wisdom and all this power? Can you, can you imagine the... Uh, Here, here's a fellow who's well recognized around the country. Many of them may have not uh, been a part of these different gatherings to see all these things happen, but they would have the news would have spread all around about who this man was. And yet, when he comes back to Nazareth as a a man in his uh, early thirties. They look at him and said, we don't, uh, we, we don't recognize you. You can't be, uh, you can't be the carpenter. These can't be your brothers. These can't be your sisters because we don't know, we don't know you. And Jesus made the comment about, uh, a prophet is without honor in his own town. we can become so familiar with one another that when God wants to speak or move through our lives, whether it be simple or great, it's not received. The, the work of God in each one of our lives is not um, valued as maybe somebody that has no idea they've never met us before and the things we say mean so much to them it hindered Jesus so much it says that uh, he could do very little 
acts of mercy, you might say, among them. And how sad that is. I remember a time where <clears throat> my wife and I went to a different part of uh, our country for training and uh, in some church ministry. And we had both grown up in kind of the, the local church in central Alberta. And then we had left uh, that for over a year and went into the States and took some time in uh, leadership development and these kinds of things. And when we came back, we had so much to share. We had so much uh, to give and to uh, basically kind of empty the basket of all that we'd received. And it was the hardest, hardest part of our ministry was to come back and talk to our own people. The it, it was it was kind of like as I was working through this, it was just kind of I was bringing back all those memories of yeah, we remember who you were. We remember, you know. <clears throat> the kid who was always running around and having to be brought in line by his parents because he was too loud, too rambunctious. Kind of just um, being a pest. And it was so hard for them to receive anything that uh, we had to offer. And yet these were our people. These were, these were family. And uh, I remember the, the, the sadness that was in our hearts to be able to come home and ask some real important questions, but uh, even to be shut down that, no, these are, these are too personal. Uh, you can't ask us those things. And it's like, wow. And it was, it was just kind of a real eye-opener for me to, uh, to realize that I wasn't even doing works of miracles. I, I didn't even have even an awful lot of power, but even the basic sharing my heart, it, it was hard to be received because they had seen me in those earlier days and didn't allow me to change. And so in thinking about uh, this passage and how Jesus was not able to do so much among among them. I was just thinking, how do we respond when we're in the uh, presence of, um, say, um, accomplished athletes? If we happen to go to a gathering and uh, there's some Olympic uh, winners being honored or whatever how do we how do we personally feel in their presence what things go through our minds what about professors some of us have uh, gone to various colleges and universities uh, others haven't but when somebody introduces themselves as a professor do we kind of um 
make conversation with them or do we kind of find somebody of lesser to speak with? How about being in the presence of doctors or lawyers? Maybe somebody we would consider really beautiful. What goes through our minds? I don't think I've hung around with too many rich and famous people yet. But how would I feel coming alongside them? Would, would I have anything to offer? So things. some of the things that came to mind is, how do we see ourselves? Do we see ourselves as less than? Or I'm not smart enough to have a conversation? Or I have nothing to offer? I'm really not valuable enough to uh, be honored. An interesting thing happened uh, a couple of days ago. My wife had uh, been listening to a podcast and uh, a number of old, old-time older kind of scriptures kind of came back to mind. And one of one of the ones that came to mind was um Jeremiah 29:11 where it talks about um Jesus or God saying to the people for I know the plans I have for you plans to prosper you or to um bring about your well-being not for harm but to give you a hope and a future. And so that was kind of ringing in her mind all day. And then we happened upon a uh, a movie. And at the end of this movie, this particular scripture popped up. And she said, oh, I need to take note of that. I kind of heard it in the morning and kind of now it's on a movie. And then the next day I was working away on my, my message and I couldn't find uh, kind of what I was looking for, so I went to a Bible app. And guess what the guess what the uh, the scripture for the day was, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. And I went, very very interesting. And it was kind of like, okay, what's the what's the what's the essence of what? Uh, I felt God was saying to us. Well, in this movie, uh, it's a, I can't even remember how old it was. I don't think it's that old, but it was called, if you want to really know the movie, it was called The, the Author, The Star, and The Keeper. And there's a bit of a religious uh, nature to it. But if you remember... Um, the fellow uh, by the name of, I think it was Bruce, somebody who played Jesus in some of the um, movies a number of years ago. Um, he was, he was, uh, he's one of the characters in this, um, this movie. But the, the keeper, and I hope this doesn't spoil it if you want to go and watch the movie, but the keeper, um, he got his name from being the, the lighthouse um, and he, he, he looked after the lighthouse on the edge of this peninsula. 
and toward the end he he uh, he dies and goes to heaven and meets god but he doesn't feel worthy of being there because he didn't he wasn't an evangelist and he didn't go out and preach the gospel and all this kind of stuff and and god takes him over to a pile of um books on a table and says each one of these books have been impacted by your life in one way or another. A word that was shared, a story that they heard, an encouraging thought that was uh, brought to them, a prayer that was prayed, a coincidence, a conversation that you may have had. All these all these books are people who've been impacted by by you. And he was astounded. How could I have meant that so much? I didn't I didn't do all this other kind of stuff. And the basically the answer was by being who you were in a day-to-day -day experience was enough. What you shared, what you prayed, what you, the places you went, the conversations you had, the relationships around you, the place where you felt most at home was enough. And I'm wondering, I think I'm still there. There's a point in time where we, we, uh, Forget that um, it's the small things. It's the helping your neighbor. It's the some go to the prison. Some pass out food. Some pray. Some call people on the phone. Some make gifts. Some care for the the injured animals. Some pick up a, a bird that's hit a window and nurse it back to health. All these, in one sense, seemingly insignificant things are part of life that needs to be um, honored. And I'm thinking of uh, this idea of the upside down kingdom. I think Jesus expressed it most in one of his statements about whatever you've done for the least of these, you've done it unto me. When we think of the the world in which we live in, where we we aren't all in one sense, popular. 
we aren't all in front of masses of people all the time. But Jesus said, whatever you've done to the least, to the one, to the twos, to the threes, whatever you've done to the least of these, you've done it unto me. We all are connected and we're all a part of each other's lives. As one person said, there's there's no small Holy Spirit in each one of us. We're, we're full of the divine in full measure at all times. You are uniquely you, and the best version of you is enough. And my last thought is that uh, each one of us can be celebrated because we are all made in the image and likeness of God, the lover and the giver of our very life and breath. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> it's some good food for thought there. Made me think about all kinds of things, but just when it comes down to it, the diminishing of ourselves or of someone else really puts us at at risk either way um, because we see what the diminishment did to even Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. Needing to move on and, and, and just recognizing this isn't where I can do this, you know? Um, and, and I have spent a lot of time in my life diminishing myself. Um, usually that's paired with comparison of others, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so I would, I would really encourage you all to, um, to kind of have some kind of a little alarm bell attached to comparison that goes off and that you listen to and heed um, that allows you to stop short of kind of disabling yourself from being able to be the best version of yourself. I do have a funny little story of someone who I met who probably the connection was through my husband, Bradley. And, um, and somehow, uh, because of um, their connection to Bradley, they thought I was someone. <laughs> and uh, and when they asked, like, like, where did you grow up and stuff? And I said, I grew up in Aldergrove, which for those of you who aren't local here is just down the road. Uh, Jesus would have walked there. Um, and... Um, and I went to MEI, which is a local private school uh, run by Mennonites, and uh, and graduated from there. And their face just dropped. And they're just like, oh, oh, I thought you were more than that. <laughs> <laughs> which is really funny because I'm still who I am, regardless of where I grew up, regardless of where I went to school. Um, or in spite of, 
Um, but it's, it's funny how someone's perception of you, which might actually be misguided or, or it, when you become ordinary. And my highest praise is, oh, well, you're just ordinary. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I am just, I'm like everybody else. And when we can embrace everybody's and each other's um, ordinariness, but also extraordinariness, I don't even know if that's a word. <laughs> Anyways, um, there's a whole lot more to find out about this world, about our God, going back to the thoughts about, you know, from the Lectio, about they don't know us and they don't know who God is. Um, our, how we are created is the very way that we demonstrate who God is. Um, and so thank you for joining us. I'm going to let Tanya read the, um, the writing from um, Stephen Charleston and his book, Spirit Wheel, as our closing today. You just need to put on your mic. Yeah, I had to quickly warn my daughter that I was doing something <laughs> so that she doesn't like come bursting into the kitchen with her music blasting. So um, the one that I read this morning that caught my attention from Spirit Wheel is called Be the Peace. Striving to live a spiritual life is not easy, but in Native American tradition, it is simple. Speak kindly about others, especially those with whom you disagree. Give to help those in need with both generosity and consistency. Watch for the unexpected wisdom spoken in word and deed. Carry no prejudice toward any member of your human family. Think of yourself as a healer and act accordingly. Listen more than you speak. Look for the treasure of humor and share it freely. Ask always in prayer to do what is most pleasing to the spirit. Consider every life to be of value. Respect elders and honor youth. Cherish children. Be the peace in which you live each day. Well, thank you, Tanya. I'm so glad you read that really kind of puts a bow on top of this morning and it just <laughs> kind of pulls together all the little pieces that we have put together. Um, I'll just encourage you folks um, that, especially when the news cycle is quite uh, dramatic and traumatic, to continue to find sources of life around you that feed you and nourish you and build you up because, um, we are not meant and not wired to be able to contain all of the information um, that we get. I would encourage you to not watch the videos that are attached to your um, to your uh, news cycle stuff because um, they can do no good, to be very, very honest. Um, but do pray have little things that remind you to pray for this situation, for, 
for all of the countries and all of the people that are being um, disrupted and, and harmed through war.